What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Much quieter when Kim's not here. I know. You notice that the air smells fresher too. It does. Doesn't smell like sourdough. <laughs> <laughs> you know she's listening to this and just rolling her eyes at us. Brought to you by Vegetil. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I always think about when I, whenever I think about Kim. That stupid commercial that comes on all the time. They must have like an unlimited marketing campaign money. The commercial where like you can use it on your armpits and in your private areas. Oh, the like feminine body wash. I don't know if it's only for females, but it's like a cream. It's like don't let soap be your only deodorant. They're all over the place with their marketing. They are all over. It makes me wonder, though, are people just walking around with ass <laughs> just all right? day long, just swamping about? I didn't realize it was that bad of a problem. I'm, <laughs> I'm like, I can't smell. I can't smell other people or myself. Is it, is it my problem? <laughs> <You know? laughs> that's they can smell, though. That's their problem. Right. I was the smelly kid for a little while as a teenager because, you know, you can't smell yourself and teenage boys have odor and i guess i went to school a few times smelling real bad and i got picked on (laughs) a few times and i've just now that i'm an adult like when i put deodorant on i do like 10 swipes sometimes i'll put it under my my tatas or (laughs) well and then you take your shirt off and there's all these deodorant stains from the day (laughs) because you put so much deodorant on that's why I shave my underarms because if I don't, it like clumps. Oh yeah. There. <laughs> then I use God. I use all kinds of sprays and all throughout the day. I, I probably smell like I walk by someone and they're like, "Ooh, a little less <laughs> deodorant to cologne," <laughs> but I'd rather smell too good than it's smell like bad. it's like any show you go to. There's always these people who have like layers of cologne on it's caked and it's always like burning my nose like because i have a very sensitive nose when it comes to smells mm-hmm. like that i'm just like especially oh, 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 oh boy older people they don't a lot sometimes they don't shower as much mm-hmm. and i've known many an older woman who <laughs> maybe showers once a week and there every rest of the day she's just layering on that Japanese cherry blossoms, and by the fifth day, it's ooh, it's a little ripe. And there, them blossoms are ready to fall. <laughs> there was a man who I was sitting on the edge of the auditorium for a Christmas show that I had gone to, and I stood up to let him come in, and he walked by me, and boy, he had caked on some cologne. Ooh. And the first thing I thought of was when we were younger. I think I had gotten like X body spray or something for christmas probably because x wasn't around really till we were teenagers Mm. ours was bod oh yeah yeah it was bod i I forgot that that. (laughs) yeah it was it was bod yeah so i had gotten that bod (laughs) (laughs) the blue bod yeah i had gotten that bod 
And I remember like spraying it, but I didn't know how much to really put on. And then Josh walked into our room that we shared and Josh goes, less is more, Shane, <laughs> less is more. Eyes burning. Oh my yeah. God. But you just have to imagine like a little elementary schooler. Less is more, less Shane. Is more. <laughs> less is more. I also remember being really young. It might have even been when I was in first grade, maybe even kindergarten. I don't know. But we were really young. And it was like when I just got to the age where I was old enough that my mom and grandma were going to let me pick out my own clothes. And I went to go pick out what I wanted to wear for the next day. And I picked out my clothes. And the next day I put them on. And Josh looked at me and evidently they didn't match. (laughs) Not at all. And I, to this day, I really don't really have an eye for things that match. So I just wear like black and gray all the time. (laughs) And Josh looked at me and he goes, you're not wearing that to school today. And I was like, to me, (laughs) I was like, yeah, I am. And I was so proud of myself (laughs) because I picked up these clothes for the very first time in my life. And he goes, I'm not going to be seen (laughs) We in are our not school. brothers. Yeah. We looked alike until like the age of 11 yeah. when you grew a foot taller. And I was like, what's wrong with my clothes? And you were like, Everything. they don't <laughs> match. And I was like, uh, yeah, they do. Uh, and he, uh, yeah, you were not having it. And so you were like, here, let me help you pick out a shirt that matches those shorts. Please, God. <laughs> I used to bribe you too. Shane, will you mm-hmm. please I don't know, comb your hair today before <laughs> school. You look a mess. I was a little anal of a child. I liked, well, I mean, we grew up with a dad who mm-hmm. kept a comb in his back pocket, right. for Christ's sakes. And you bet I was rocking that parted down the middle bowl cut <laughs> with my bangs. Oh, straight across bangs, bowl cut. Do you bangs. remember that movie that came out? It was the movie with that girl who lived in that spaceship. Oh, Xenon. Xenon, yeah, yeah, yeah. But the Cetus Lapidus. Somehow our mom got this idea to like do our hair. Do you remember this? Yes. And those like cone things. Those spikes. Spikes, yeah. We woke up early. We woke too. up real early so she could <laughs> do our hair in these spikes. At the time we thought it was so cool. Because we did have we those went into our elementary scare. Yeah, we went into our elementary school with those spikes in our hair. And I remember somehow coming across an old photo one time of that. Mm -hmm. And I was so terrified. Probably threw the photo away. I I have no idea. I've not seen (laughs) a photo of it in a really long time. Yeah, I'm sure our mom has one locked away somewhere where we have not gotten access to toss it. But (laughs) I remember that we were so walking through our elementary school thinking we were hot. Everything. I lasted maybe till 10 a.m. and then I was at the I remember that. I remember that, like seeing you. Yeah, I remember seeing you later in school, and like your hair was watered down and it was flat. And I was like, "Oh, that's sad." I was like, "Nope, kids are making fun of me." I went to that water fountain. "Mm -mm, Not today. (laughs) Not today. (laughs) I am eight. How old we were? Eight years old, and I have man breasts, and I'm chubby. I've got (laughs) enough going on against me. (laughs) I'm a young gay boy. I am not doing this." Bringing my horses to show and tell. You remember my little toy horses? Yeah, that you would comb the hair off. Well, it didn't occur to me that they weren't boys' toys until I brought them to school to mm. show. And I had one that was my favorite. And if you push the handle on the saddle, it would move its leg and go. <laughs> I was just so excited to show all my friends. And so they were like, 
why are you playing with girls' toys? I'm like, what do you mean? My girls' toys are at home. I didn't yeah. bring my Barbies. <laughs> You're like, my grandma says, this what? is what men do. Men have horses. Boys have horses, too. Yeah. Sexes. <laughs> well, when we were older, you wore this shirt that always said... Save a horse, ride a cowboy. Yeah. That was a Christmas gift. <laughs> I remember <laughs> that from an older lady who I don't think thought about it yeah, too much. Her name was Shug. <laughs> who I was obsessed with. She wore wigs and mm-hmm. heavy makeup. I was like, ooh, I love you. Yeah. And I remember at the time you were, you know, not out. So you would tell people, oh, no, this is a straight shirt, you know. This is a straight shirt. To not ride a horse. Yeah, I remember you trying to pitch that one. <laughs> it was so comfortable, though. I loved wearing it. It was one of the most comfortable. I remember how comfortable the shirt was. I do remember you like making everyone feel it. Like, oh no, this is a really comfortable shirt. Save a horse, ride a cowboy. <laughs> yeah, but I remember that shirt, and you trying like everyone would be like, "Are you out of the closet now?" And you're like. No, no, I want all the girls to do this. Yeah, you know, because it was the lyrics of yeah, a song, and so you were like, "I'm just saying." Yeah, I'm just hoping that the girls do this. Yeah, that's, I'm just wearing the shirt to sing it out loud. As I wore it with my bright yellow sh- shorts, <laughs> flip flops. <laughs> I remember when I first came out, I was walking through the neighborhood in my bright yellow short shorts with my friends, <laughs> and you know, like a lot of gay men. As children, it's easier to come out first as bisexual. It kind mm. of just tests the waters, although right. I knew I wasn't bisexual. Even my friends are like, <laughs> bisexual? You, you, there's no woman you're interested in. <laughs> I'm like, no, I swear. Right. My cute little shorts. I wish it's That's hilarious. <laughs> so, Josh, although Kim isn't here today because she is getting refreshed. Refreshed. She's going to come back looking younger and fresher than ever. Tighter. She's getting yes. a little tightening She's procedure. getting real. She's going to be <laughs> so tight. Slop a, she's getting that slop a bottom Yeah. <laughs> slop a bottom I'm going to we love you, Cam. Feel better soon. We're taking shifts on who's sick. I know. <laughs> when she texted us yesterday and was like, I ain't feeling too good. I'm like, don't you come. I just uh, got over it. I don't want it right. again. Well, and I was sick the week before you were sick, yeah. but we did. Apparently the show, I don't know if anyone can hear this, but the show can't go on without me, evidently. I would like to see me and Kim. That'd be a funny. We just sit here. I would talk like shit to see that. that. You guys would probably do that and then realize afterwards that you guys forgot to push record or something. <laughs> like you guys would go through an hour and a half and then be like, "Gosh, dang it, we got to do the whole thing over again." I would. And then you give it up. Us. I know. <laughs> we don't have an episode this week. It's in the universe. Right. It's not recorded. Right. But Kim wanted me to make sure that all of our listeners know. A little quick reminder that this is the last episode that you have the opportunity to join our Patreon before our Mystery Inc. sleepover. I'm so excited. I know. We are going to be sleeping over at Kim's house. Josh and I are. And we are going to be doing a Ouija board. We're going to see what the we. I've never done a Ouija board. I did go to a haunted... That devil house. Yeah, like the demon house. And they had a Ouija board there, and I was not having any part of it. <laughs> He's like, Grandma said not to. I ain't going <laughs> Yeah, <near> Grandma <laughs> said no. Grandma said that's the devil. <laughs> my mama, gra- Grandma said. <laughs> <laughs> exactly yeah. So I've never done a Ouija board. I've never seen it. I've never, nothing. 
And we're going to see what that's all about. And we're going to have a lot of fun. There's going to be snacks. We're going to go live on Patreon. Yeah, I'm going to bring my tarot cards. I have yeah. my scrying crystal that I'm yeah. going to bring. And we're just going to have a I have a, a feeling that our grandma's going to come through and she's going to be like, knock it off. Knock it off. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to beat what your What did butt. I tell you, boys? <laughs> right. Get on the right. floor. What she used to say when she was live, get on the floor and let me whoop your ass. Uh-huh. That's you're exactly all so it. much bigger than her. Right. She'll probably call us by the wrong name, Spike, her chihuahua. (laughs) She used to, anytime we would, like, do something wrong, she would go down the list of starting with her dog. (laughs) Spike! And then she'd go down, like, by the list of her sons. And, like, it was just, you know, eventually (laughs) she'd get to the right name, of course. Grandma, just say favorites. Yeah. We know who you're talking about. (laughs) Right. The ones I like. Right. So we're doing this on the 26th. Yeah. And it's going to be at 10 p.m. Eastern time when we are live in Patreon. If you miss it, we will post the video in Patreon when we're done. I've got white candles and Palo Santo and sage. And I even yeah. made a little protective spell jar. And Maybe we'll burn Kim's house down. Maybe. If we're lucky, we'll get a demon in there. Yeah. <laughs> at least we'll be warm if the house burns. See, I've used the Ouija board more since Grandma's passed. Mm. Not with the hopes of contacting her, but just knowing that mm, I feel safer now knowing that grandma's spirit has mm. my back and anything that tries to mess with us, she's going to kick their ass. She's going to shut that door <laughs> right. real quick. Not my babies. <laughs> right. So Josh, you had an anniversary. <laughs> you are what? <laughs> What's his name? <laughs> Did I forget a man? <laughs> Uh, it's hard to remember them all. <laughs> a podcast anniversary. Oh yeah, my rotten to the cold. Yeah, room. two years you have been podcasting. I have. So I just had a couple questions I was going to ask, but I made you this cute little book Aww. of some of your podcast memories. <laughs> he just does not use flattering pictures when he. I know. <laughs> well, <laughs> the front cover of the book is when we were doing our tea. I look so pissed. <laughs> Well, Josh, when don't you? <laughs> Honestly. True. Listen, I have a medical disease called resting bitch face. Oh, <laughs> I don't remember that. That oh, is this when we were <laughs> first photo in the book. I don't remember this. I have who no memory these, of this. Well, I saw people? that one. Uh, I don't remember his name. I know Robin Canadian. From, yeah. <laughs> Robin from the trail went cold. Yeah, I, well, I looked at him first. I'm like, I don't, I don't know remember, this man. I don't know <laughs> these people who I just put random photos in there of you not in them. <laughs> so that was from Myrtle Beach, that photo, when Aww. we did the podcast meetup. And the picture of us on our Christmas yes. episode. Oh, well, thank you. You're welcome. Uh, two years. It seems yeah. longer, but again, it, then it does <laughs> as well. Covered a lot of rotten people in two you years. You have. And I'm sure you have a lot more that you can cover. There's oh, yeah. been a lot of rotten people. I'm working on one now. <laughs> oh, and we can't wait to hear it. But Josh, I have some questions for you. The first question is, what has been the best part about podcasting for you oh. over these two years? Heaven, see, he just puts you on the spot. I know. You had no idea that I was going to ask you this question. I have question. anxiety, <laughs> and I, I prepare for it. Like, I... <laughs> I will overthink a trip to the mailbox. I know, which is why I didn't tell you I was doing this, because then you would overthink it. Let's see. My favorite part about podcasting. Mm-hmm. Uh, I 
thank just all that I've learned from it. When mm-hmm. I first started, you know, I liked the way that you gave me the opportunity and the tools, but it was a really a, here's your tools and here's the basic info, mm-hmm. but it's your responsibility to take it and run with it. And right. I like how I've taken it and run with it. Mm-hmm. I view it a lot as a form of art. You know, when I write, I'm performing a, a little show for them. Right. We're also learning about horrible, rotten people. Right. And my favorite part is being able to reach and communicate with people all over the world. That's my favorite part. Yeah. I, lo- I love when I get any response on when someone writes to mm-hmm. me, but especially if it's from a different country or oh yeah uh, there was one where i was trending i, fr- I forget where it was, it was zimbabwe yeah or something like yeah. just a, a random country well <laughs> shoot you do an episode on putin and you start trending in yeah, russia which scared the hell out of me <laughs> oh i thought well josh goes missing <laughs> right, well know. shoot <laughs> put me a call secret police right <laughs> and when i do it i love when i have an episode that's popular, especially in a country where being gay is still legal Mm -hmm. or even people are being murdered for it because those people, they don't have a lot of the opportunities that being a gay man here in America that I have to be open. And even if they have to play me in secret, I like being a voice that they, oh, I'm not alone in this world. There are people that care about me and people that want me to succeed in life. Right. I enjoy that aspect of it the best. Yeah. yeah, and it's really nice when listeners do comment and when they join your Facebook or when they, you know, give you a review because one of the things for us podcasters is we record our episode, you know, we write, we record our episodes in a quiet room and then we publish it out to the world and then we work right. on the next episode and we do all of that. From the quietness of our own space. And most of the time, we don't talk to other people. So, you know, we can see numbers and we can hear how well the episode does. And we can see it trend in other countries. But really, you don't get the feeling of how well people might like it. Right. Until someone says something. I do get anxiety for every episode I put out. Mm -hmm. I hope this is received the way that I'm meaning it to where you know i don't want people to feel that i'm trying to dog someone just to be a negative person on it right i I, I cover rotten people in history right kind of it can be difficult not to be (laughs) negative which you know when they are deservant of it of course i go in on them Mm -hmm. (laughs) but as i said before Sometimes it feels like Dora the Explorer where you, you're asking all these questions and putting all this stuff out there and no response. And you're like, so I love when people do write yeah. into me and I'm like, okay, thank God. People like it. You, yeah. know, you never know. <laughs> yeah, I've done podcasting for a long time now and I love just getting listeners to email Yes, and talk about if they're a new listener, if they're an old listener, what they like about the show their favorite episode, things like that. And it means so much that someone would take a part of their day to do something like that. Right. And what I always find funny is if someone writes in and they think that we have a huge team oh, yeah. and they're writing this will probably it, never get yeah, to you. They're no, writing come straight to me. <laughs> right. I get it a lot. People will write in to foul play or hometown history thinking that that email is going to go straight to 
a big team of people. Yeah. And it comes straight to me and I'll respond to it. But my favorite part really is when someone sends in a bad email. Oh, that's yeah. like a real big criticism. Not thinking that we'll ever see it. Yeah. I get that a lot for hometown history. The thing about hometown history is that sometimes I cover really old history stories. And sometimes the people I interview or myself will say something that will be slightly inaccurate. Mm -hmm. So like, for example, a recent episode I did on the Met Museum in New York City, I said that when they moved from one of their museums to a new location, they had made special trucks for the move. And that's true. This person sent me this horrible email oh telling me how much i mean absolutely yeah, that's exactly like I how know. these emails are <laughs> and it's beyond me of why you would ever even say some of these things to a human being but anyway and i responded really kindly and i was just like hey you know i was talking about hand trucks but this was the year like 18 50s or 1860s 70s i think it's 1880 actually and I used the word trucks thinking that people would know what I was talking about. I didn't right. say the word hand trucks. You assume change right. better. <laughs> so so it was just this huge misunderstanding, I guess, but boy, they were really dirty to me. You make one little mistake. I know. Will, Trash, you need to kill yourself and erase <laughs> everything you've ever done. Yeah. Like calm people, down. And people get that way about grammar and things like that. If you get a bad review on a podcast, it's almost always going to be, well, you used a word wrong. And okay. did you know what I mean? Then don't be an asshole. Right. Like, and you listen to that episode right. for free. Right. You ain't got to pay unless you're a patron. You don't got to pay. Right. Like, just enjoy a laugh. Yeah. Yeah. I, so. But I, that's what I like when I listen to I don't like an overly produced and perfect podcast. Yeah. I want, you know, yeah. I want to hear those fumbles because that's we're human. Right. And English isn't everybody's first language. We grew up speaking hillbilly. Well, and we are not <laughs> a huge podcast with millions of dollars to put into production. Right. And we are not produced by a huge company, you know, that can afford to not make errors right you and know so if kids can use the word riz or what a no cap whatever the hell that crap means <laughs> i can make up my own damn words if i want to everybody right. else does <laughs> so josh a hard question and I, it'll be my last one okay what do you hope your next two years of podcasting will look like oh, <laughs> oh. good lord oh He's just asking all the I know. big questions. I've been out sick with – I still have COVID brain. <laughs> I've, been, I've in, been out sick. I've been in the bed two weeks just in a fever haze. I've, I've taken like, to the bed. <laughs> I did. I My sciatica has been acting up worse because I haven't been able to get up. And here he is asking me these two questions. Oh, I want to see it grow. Mm -hmm. I definitely, of course, I want it to be successful. I am working on doing more visuals. I've started adding some on YouTube. I have not my last two episodes because I looked a wreck. I, mean, I was sick. I looked rough. I'm like, I, they don't need to see me right now. I look dead. And I don't know. I just, I want to see it grow and I want to see... God, you just asked me all this stuff and yeah, I, just, I, I am unprepared. 
Now, in two years, would you, you know, like I live to? In the moment. <laughs> would you like to be doing a live show? Would you like to have you know meetings with listeners? Yeah, those type of things. That's where I see it going. I'd like to to be able to do eventually, mm-hmm. even with Mystery Inc. for us to do live shows with. Are you, you know, gonna wrap me into audience, it? Audience. Yeah, yeah. You see it? <laughs> I want to, you know, with an, a live audience, so we can have that response that, laughter. that I like. Yes, <laughs> I want to know if my jokes are landing because you know when you email me, I recorded it a week or more ago, and I'm right. like, what, sometimes what I gotta look. About? What joke? I gotta re-listen. <laughs> Once I record and edit, it's out of my brain. <laughs> and you know what's funny is like when we go to publish one of these episodes, it's been a week or two since we recorded it. And I'll listen to the episode, and I'm like, I don't remember saying that. <laughs> when it comes to somebody will write to us and be like, oh, I love when you did that. Yeah, I'm like, I'm like, did I say that? I got to re-listen. Did someone use that AI stuff <laughs> <Right>. on me? <laughs> God bless them if they do. I don't know. I just I want to see it become more successful than it is. Mm. And I don't know. I just I want it to be more. Yeah. Uh, you know, I— Especially my first year, I'm a a big dreamer, mm. and there was plenty of times where I would text you or be like, "I have all these ideas," and you're like, "Let's take it one step at a time." Right. <laughs> Before you get you know merchandise and all this other, you're good yeah. at bringing me back down to earth. Well, I have been in podcasting long enough that I have seen other podcasts fail, and so like if they start doing too much too soon. They'll get burned out. Right. So then they'll end up quitting. Spend all their money on t-shirts. Yeah. And, and, then yeah. on, and then nobody's listening. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think my overall goal with the long term of my podcast is to just be a another positive voice for LGBTQIA plus mm. in the world. Especially, in, like I mentioned, in those countries where me being me would be illegal and I would be put in jail or murdered just for being openly flamboyantly gay. Right. And I want to, I don't know, just be a, a voice and an advocate for the betterment of my people. <laughs> that makes sense. You know what I would like to see in several years? Someday, I think the epitome of success for me is I would, I've always dreamed of a podcast studio that would be a perfect replica of Sun Studio in Memphis. Is that where Elvis recorded? Out? Yeah. Okay, okay. Yeah. And I I've, remembered a name. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> and Johnny Cash recorded there. A lot of okay. the really famous people in radio has filmed there. And the reason that is a dream of mine is because, of course, I've recorded a hometown history episode there. And it's just one of those amazing spaces, and it's such an important part of the history of radio. So just the the history of radio having that importance and connecting that to podcasting being connected to radio, and it's a brilliant type of space. Right. So I would just like to tap into that type of space, I think. Get that energy. Yeah, and also it would be really cool, I think, just to have a podcast studio that's an exact replica of Sun Studio. I'll come and dress like Elvis. (laughs) Then the next day, Marilyn Monroe. Right. There you go. I'm going to start doing my not-so-evil queen drag persona on video when I do my rotten episodes. I haven't yet because 
makeup's expensive. <laughs> and I, <laughs> unless you got a check, I don't put makeup on right. unless it's for a date. But <laughs> I'm like, I, I did it a few times, and then I had a couple ads that I did where I was in my drag persona, but. Mm-hmm. My that makeup goes quick. And I'm like, oh, this is getting expensive. I ain't doing this every time. Right. But we're getting, you know, to a space where I can afford a little <laughs> bit of makeup here and there. So I'm going to start. That'll be fun. It just helps me get into character more. You know, sure. this podcast, I'm just myself. And that one I am as well. But I do channel this yeah, character the evil that queen. I created, yeah. the not-so-evil queen. The not-so-evil queen, right. Trademark. <laughs> <laughs> Don't want to get sued by Disney. <laughs> Don't want to get sued by the D. Right. Which, and I chose that name because, you know, I ain't a good witch, but mm-hmm. I ain't a bad witch. Right. And I'm all about, you know, balancing that shadow right. and light self. And that, into, that, that kind of describes all of us. Yeah. None of us are fully good. None of us are fully evil. We've all done weird things i think right <laughs> and my normal drag persona i didn't think it was appropriate for <laughs> he's a, a succubus from hell who comes up every hundred years to feast on the souls of men named kinky von queef i'm like mm, i don't think i want to get any advertisers with that persona <laughs> so well the first name we were going to give it was dicks in history right because do i know about dicks? <laughs> right but then advertisers are like eh, we don't really uh, feel comfortable with having that. that as your code may not be ideal right <laughs> which i'm glad because it's brought me to where i am now mm-hmm. yeah and I, I like seeing the how it's changed. Like, if you listen to my first few episodes, I sound like a news reporter. Even my best <laughs> friend, when she listened to my first few, she's like, they're good, but I don't sound like you. Right. I was like, right. okay, I need to. But, I mean, I was nervous. Something yeah. I've never done. And yeah. It's, I mean, it's nerve-wracking to mm-hmm. make create something from the ground up and put it out into the world yeah. where everybody has an opinion and a lot of them are negative. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and that's normally the ones that you hear from are the negative ones. Which anymore, I right. I could just care don't pay less. attention to them. Right, right. Who are you? You do you have a podcast? Right. You, you put out something. What's and your name? Comment on it. Right, right, <laughs> right. Yeah, no. I uh, think for any podcaster, though, we all feel the same. Our early content is always really bad, and so yeah. when people are like, "Oh, I'll go listen to your show. I'll start from the beginning," you're like, "No." Don't do it. Start from the new and work your way back. Start from the second year. That's when I really yeah. had my got my flow going. I always tell people start the newest season or episode and work your way back. Which with the podcasting, I like to be confident but not overly confident. I'm confident in by saying I have faith that I can do a good job in it, mm. but going and knowing that I can still always improve with it, which right. I feel that every episode we do on all of our podcasts, we're just constantly improving and right. making it better. Yeah, that makes sense. Well, good. Ooh, all right, Josh. I'm all sweaty, so you got me anxiety. <laughs> Put you on, on the spot. Oh. Yes. <laughs> hey, it's good old boy Mike. This is good old boy Dave from Sip Suds and Smokes. Sip Suds and Smokes covers wine, tea, coffee, distilled spirits, whiskey, scotch, beer, cigars. People whose first name starts with Q. Bad fake British accents. 
and we always take time to make fun of the people of Alabama. Banned once again. It's a one-hour episode that's mildly entertaining for about 22 minutes. I think mildly would be a vast improvement. Well, we do have the only beer show with the Holy Man. We talk about these products and rate them with our unique rating system, like our Suds 5 rating. Do you really have something better to do with your life for an hour than actually listen to this show? What don't make them think about it? Well, join us on this radio station, podcast network, or via our Android app. A detective came and knocked on the door, and I said, is it Renee? And he just gave me that solemn look. It was the worst day ever. The Proof Podcast is back with a new case and a new season. 23 years ago, 18-year-old Renee Ramos went missing. Her body was later found in an empty Home Depot building on the edge of town. I don't think that they arrested the right people. It's about time somebody's trying to do something. She had a black eye about two weeks before she was murdered. They are involved. They definitely had her body and her backpack. You know people are going to judge you, right? Of course. They're judging me now. They've been judging me damn near my whole life. You can listen now to Season 2 of Proof wherever you get your podcasts. And follow along with us as we reinvestigate the murder at the warehouse. I have to ask, did you kill Renee? What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low, net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. All right, do you want to go first with your story, or do you want me to go first with mine? Oh, I'll let you go first. Okay. <laughs> so, Josh, as any good story, mine is going to start from a post on Facebook. A good one or a uh, bad one? <laughs> well, a mixture. So the Facebook post that I saw, it was about conspiracy theories, and, and it talked oh, about – And it talked about, like – What's a conspiracy theory that you fully believe that's true? Okay. And someone said that they felt like Helen Keller was a fraud. <laughs> what? I know. And I saw that and I thought, that, like, you know, the world doesn't agree on much. <laughs> we really don't. Not right now. But I thought Helen Keller was one of those things that we all had locked down. Right. Like, oh, she was... A cool lady, you know? And so I commented and I was like, what do you mean? (laughs) And they said, Shane, if she was blind and deaf, how could she have learned to speak or read or write or any of these things? They obviously didn't see the movie. And I, and And I was like, well, there's movies. She wrote books about how this happened. And I was like, and also there are people now who are blind and deaf who right. learn these things <laughs> i was like apparently you don't people be ignorant, know the, yeah and like a lot of people on this post were liking it and agreeing with it i mean a lot of people so i was like how did this come about and i got to looking and it all stems josh i've learned that there's a lot of these things that stem from tiktok when uh-huh. someone makes a tiktok video and the TikTok video was made as a somewhat joke. Evidently, they say now 
after they got, so you know, I know me too. So that this person made this TikTok video about how they felt like she was a fraud and they lay out the reasons why. But apparently so many people believed it that now there is some widespread criticism Lord. over Helen Keller. <laughs> and I don't know if you know this, but it's somewhat hard to find some good like YouTube videos on Helen Keller and TikTok videos on Helen Keller. Really, the only ones that are out there are made for children. Mm. So I was like, well, you know, I can kind of see like some of these people who are used to getting all of their information from TikTok, not being able, (laughs) right, not being able to find anything because everything out there, you'd have to read a lot. (laughs) And and maybe that's the problem. I just watched, I think it was a Michelle Wolf, the comedian, one of her jokes. And it was just like two days ago. And one of them was about Helen Keller. Mm -hmm. It was talking about how there's so many products for men for erectile dysfunction. And she went on to say how the saddest thing in the world is a limp dick. And she goes, it's like, it's so sad that that's what they used to teach Helen Keller what sad was. (laughs) She just felt a limp dick. And she goes, Oh, this means sad. <laughs> I just thought it was so funny. I'm like, that's true. Oh, this is sad. Sadness. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> All right. So my mystery today is I wanted to let listeners find out through the history of Helen Keller if Helen Keller was a fraud. And one of the things that they all these people point to is the history on Helen Keller flying an airplane. Because she flew a plane. Oh, I did not know that. I know. And there's a lot of history on Helen Keller that I think most people do not know because it's kind of hard to find. And I also don't know if you know this, Josh, but when September 11th happened and the towers fell, a lot of her archival information was lost. Hmm. That's where they held almost all of her archival information i laughed and you said september 11th because i was expecting you to fully say there's a tiktok conspiracy where someone thinks uh, helen keller was flying a plane or something. oh boy I put it past the TikTok. i bet that they would bless them after this video they probably would so josh i'm gonna start off by just telling you some background information on helen keller so we all can just find out a little bit more who helen keller is yeah, i don't know a whole lot about her yeah i think most people just know who she is and what she overcame, but they don't know a lot about her history. So Helen was born on June 27th. So she has somewhat shares my birthday, yeah, seven days. A week. Yeah. In the year of 1880, born a lot earlier than I was. Around Kim. <laughs> right. Kim's age. In the city she was born, I looked up how to pronounce it, but. Lesson Lord. I know. Tuscombia, Maybe. It's in Alabama. Tecumseh? Uh, maybe you're right. Maybe I'm right. Maybe I neither. She, I thought she was European. I you're swear right. to God. No. See, I don't know a lot about yeah, no. her. No, she was born in Alabama, and she had a younger sister named Mildred and a brother named Philip. And their parents were Arthur and Catherine Keller. Arthur was a farmer, a newspaper editor, and he was a Confederate Army veteran. He also had two other children from a former marriage. Their name. <laughs> Their names were James and William Keller. And Helen's mom, Catherine, was the daughter of Charles Adams. Charles was a Confederate general. And so his mom was an educated woman from Memphis. 
also Memphis is where Sun Studio is, I just mentioned. Yeah. So Helen was born a normal child until several months into age two when she developed a very serious illness. Historians believe that it was probably meningitis or possibly scarlet fever, but it left her deaf and blind. By age seven, she had developed some sort of way of communicating with her family by feeling their face to feel facial expressions. She also developed certain signs. I could just picture her coming up to me and feeling my face and be like, oh, like, <laughs> you feel so bad. Right. Like, oh, I thought I looked good. And those signs meant different things that her family could understand. They would call them home signs. And she could also tell that each of the family members were coming into the room or coming nearby by vibrations on the floor. Oh, yeah. Made from their footsteps. So that was very I do that. Cool. I did that at home at Grandma's house. Yeah. Oh, heavy footsteps, Uncle Benny's home. Right. <laughs> so her mom sought the help from leaders and experts in the world. So she reached out to invent her Alexander Graham Bell. So if you don't know who he is, he invented the telephone and he was co-founder of AT&T. Yeah. She was then sent to Ann Sullivan and was a graduate of the Perkins School of the Blind. And most people know this part. Anne arrived at Helen's home and started to teach her that there are words for objects. She would pick up a doll and give it to Helen and then spell out D-O-L-L in her hand. Helen would become frustrated because she didn't quite understand or comprehend that there was a word for everything. Once when Anne was trying to teach her the word for mug, Helen broke it in frustration. A month into their teaching, Anne ran water over one of Helen's hands while spelling water, W-A-T-E-R. And that's when it clicked that this was spelling out what this was that she was feeling. And this is a quote from Helen's book of her experiencing this. I stood still, my whole attention fixed upon the motions of her fingers. Suddenly I felt a misty consciousness, as of something forgotten, a thrill of returning thought, and somehow the mystery of language was revealed to me. I knew then that W-A-T-E-R meant the wonderful, cool something that was flowing over my hand. The living word awakened my soul, gave it light, hope, set it free. And then a year later, Anne took Helen to the Perkins School in Boston. And this, of course, was the School for the Blind, where she was able to teach her how to read Braille. She also learned how to write with a specially made typewriter, which I didn't even know that they had those back then. That was really cool. So by the time she's 14, she went to New York, where she was able to improve her ability to speak. She then attended Cambridge School for Young Ladies in Massachusetts. After that, she goes to Radcliffe College of Harvard University. That was the woman's college at Harvard. Okay. She catches the attention of Mark Twain, and he talks his wealthy friend, Henry Rogers, into paying for Helen's education. Before she graduated, she published two books. One of them was The Story of My Life. 
And the second one was a book called Optimism. And those books launched her writing and lecture career. She would go on to author a dozen books and write many, many articles in major magazines. Wow. Yeah. And she would advocate for people with disabilities along with many other causes. And Anne would become a lifelong companion of Helen's. Anne married Harvard instructor John Macy in 1905, and Helen lives with them. It was during that time that we see Helen become active politically. She starts supporting the suffrage movement. She embraced socialism, and she advocates for the blind. In 1919, there was a film made about her life, and it's called Deliverance. The next year, she became one of the founding members to start the American Civil Liberties Union. And four years later, she became affiliated with the New American Foundation for the Blind. Helen then starts to lecture internationally, and she becomes one of the most admired women in the world. During World War II, she toured military hospitals, bringing comfort to soldiers. I know. In 1955, there was a second film made about her life. And then in 1960, there was a play made called The Miracle Worker. And that won the Pulitzer Prize. And so after it won that prize, it was made into a movie two years later. That's the movie I've seen. Mm -hmm. She was awarded the Presidential Medal of Freedom in 1964. And she received honorary doctorates from Glasgow. Harvard, and Temple Universities. Good gravy. Helen devoted the last part of her life to raising money for the American Foundation for the Blind. She died in her sleep on June 1st, 1968, at the age of 87. Wow. Her ashes are buried at the Washington National Cathedral. And in the Unmasked episode, I will include some little-known details about Helen that I think people will find really interesting. And I'll talk about that plane that she flew. I had no idea she could fly. Yeah, she wrote about it and so did the other people who were on the plane. It wasn't that she could fly a plane. She just did it for a while. I'll say that. But yeah, so I'll talk about that along with a lot of other things that she did. I will go ahead and mention the plane because it's a part of that conspiracy theory. So in June of 1946, she was on a plane en route from Rome to Paris when she took over the controls for 20 minutes. Okay. When the plane was over the Mediterranean Sea, the pilot ends up passing the controls to Helen. And how it is on planes, the pilot is going to sit in one seat. Right. Co-pilot sitting next to them. So the pilot basically flips a switch. The controls then goes over to your co-pilot. Helen's the co-pilot. So Helen suddenly has control over the plane. He would then relay instructions to her through her companion, the person who's with her. And the companion would tell Helen his instructions by pressing the symbols onto her hand, the outside of her hand. Right. So that's how the captain would communicate. Hmm. Yeah. So she... Flew it, but she wasn't like landing or nothing. Yeah, no. So okay. she flew it while it was in the air for 20 minutes. That's still, I mean, yeah. astounding. Yeah, for someone who is blind and deaf. Yeah, with her, I really knew just from what was in the movie. Mm-hmm. You know, after that, I just, I was 
in love with so many other women in yeah. history, like Joan of Arc. And I learned about the two women around the same time. So I was like, well, I really don't need to know much more about her other than what was in the movie. Right. But I know that she was a real freaking person. Like, I can't right. believe that. Well, I think what's amazing to me is that she was blind and deaf, and she was the first blind and deaf person to get a university degree. So she was so determined to to do that that she did it. So, I mean, like, how impressive is that? Right. And then to become such a good writer that you're writing books and articles, that in and of itself is very impressive to me. And I also think that it's so impressive to me to think about someone who is writing and they're not able to physically see it. Mm-hmm. Like for me, it would be so much easier to see what I'm writing so that I can go back through and change things, plan things out. So I just think that it would be so much more difficult to do it if you can't see it, that you're just relying on what's in your head to type it out. So I think that just makes it that much more impressive. And then also to be a woman at that time who has these opinions. So she even got a word published. Right. And especially to be in that political arena when she starts writing about politics and her opinions. So... I think that I give her a lot of credit for that, being a woman who is open about her political beliefs. I love that. A woman who was, you know, I am deaf and blind, and I still know that this is wrong. Right. I love that. (laughs) Yeah, I have opinions, and this is what they are. Right. Yeah. Women deserve rights. I'm deaf and blind, and Mm -hmm. I still can see that. Yeah. Yeah. So I've always thought that she was a very interesting person, and she's a very, very good writer. It's sort of difficult to find her books in some libraries, and it's kind of unfortunate, but I definitely recommend people to find some of her books. You can also find articles that she's written, and even online, you can find videos of some of her speeches. Mm. I will say a little caveat to that is that there are some replicas of like recreated speeches of hers, Okay, so you have to be careful. Some of them are not her. They were recreated a long time ago. So some of them look like they're old enough that you almost would think that it's it is her. her right. Yeah. But if you pay attention, it will tell you that it's recreated. Mm. But there are some from her later years of her talking and giving speeches of some kind awesome. that you can watch. Yeah. Look up some of her books. I wonder yeah. if that used bookstore in town has any of them. Oh, I bet. Yeah. It's, it's like, a huge one. Yeah. yeah. It's like three huge rooms and yeah. two buildings. I love that. Oh, the smell. Oh, I know. I love the smell of old books. <laughs> That's why I could never do a Kindle or anything. I got to have a physical right. pages, which I read a, a few books while I was sick. <laughs> when I'm sick, I read a lot more and I do a lot more like meditation and mm. spiritual practices and whatnot. And what, Made me nervous as I got sick the day after the winter solstice on the 21st, and I did the solstice ritual, and I cast away and cleansed all of the negative energies that are hanging around me, and then the next day I woke up feeling like crap, and I was like, <laughs> what did I do? I said something wrong. <laughs> I cursed myself. So, yeah, I'm going to look up some of her books. Yeah. I did find that one, that author who was writing with the Ouija board. Oh, yeah. I did. Uh, I found on Spotify where that's where I listen to audiobooks, mm-hmm. and it was 
There were several of them from her. Did you listen? I started them, but I didn't. Finish them? I started it, and I'm like, I got to read Britney Spears's. <laughs> I, I have to. That's yeah, just, I it's couldn't wait there, anymore. Yeah. And it was a, I read that in a day. Yeah. That's funny. Oh, it's a good that, and I read Britney Spears and uh, Miriam Margulies, who played <laughs> Professor Sprout on right. Harry Potter. I read right. both of theirs in like a week. That's funny. A detective came and knocked on the door, and I said, "Is it Renee?" And he just gave me that solemn look. It was the worst day ever. The Proof Podcast is back with a new case and a new season. 23 years ago, 18-year-old Renee Ramos went missing. Her body was later found in an empty Home Depot building on the edge of town. I don't think that they arrested the right people. It's about time somebody's trying to do something. She had a black eye about two weeks before she was murdered. They are involved. They definitely had her body and her backpack. You know people are going to judge you, right? Of course. They're judging me now. They've been judging me damn near my whole life. You can listen now to season two of Proof, wherever you get your podcasts, and follow along with us as we reinvestigate the murder at the warehouse. I have to ask, did you kill Renee? American Criminal is a new true crime podcast from the studio behind American Scandal and American History Tellers. Every week, you'll fall deeper into the riveting stories of the country's most clever, craven, and cruel criminals. Fraud, theft, murder, and worse. Whatever the case, whoever the criminal, you don't know the whole story until now. The debut season tackles one of the most sensational cases of the 20th century, the Menendez murders. In 1989, young Lyle and Eric Menendez brutally shot their own parents. Prosecutors and the press said it was a multi-million dollar inheritance that led two greedy rich kids to murder. But the picture-perfect facade this Hollywood family built hid troubling abuse. Could these teenagers have been driven to kill? Or was it even in self-defense? Listen now. Go to AmericanCriminal.com or search for and follow American Criminal wherever you get your podcasts. (sighs) All right, Josh, what is your mystery today? Mine is more spiritual. Oh, yeah. (laughs) I did do a little bit of meditation and... Communication with my guides for this one because mm. it was necessary. My voice still isn't all the way back to 100, but it, when I was real sick, I sounded like the brother from Mrs. Doubt, from Mrs. Doubtfire. <laughs> so, uh, this is sorry in advance, but this is my voice today. Well, my mystery is about spirit animals. Oh, that's fun. A spirit animal is a teacher or messenger who comes to you in animal form. They have been a part of Native American, Chinese, Buddhist, Aztec, and Egyptian cultures for thousands of years. And the idea of having an animal spirit is called animism. Northern Europeans also had a strong connection to animals and believed they were messengers of the spirit world. Therefore, the Druids and Scandinavians took omens and signs from the animal kingdom. There are many ways to discover your spirit animal, with the easiest being just to ask it to reveal itself, and it usually comes in a dream. Although, be careful with that one. I first did it in high school when I was starting my 
journey away from Christianity, and the next day, it literally flew down right behind me <laughs> as I was getting the groceries out of that little red Ford that we were in the car crash in. Mm-hmm. And it scared the hell out of me. <laughs> I heard feathers rustling, and I turned around, and there it was right behind me. <laughs> and it was a red-tailed hawk. Mm. And if you remember, anytime we travel or anything, I'm always pointing out, look, there's a red-tailed hawk. Mm-hmm. That I usually take that as a sign that I'm on the right path mm-hmm. and that I don't have to have anxiety about traveling. <laughs> don't worry, girl. You'll be all right. They will often appear in dreams. And from my experience, they won't leave you alone until you receive the message they're trying to teach you. And that's also how I discovered my second spirit animal, which I call my shadow spirit animal. I would dream about him and see representations of him a lot until one day it hit me that I was avoiding the lesson it was trying to teach me. My shadow spirit animal is a snake, a northern water snake more specifically, and that's my biggest fear, snakes. <laughs> what better giver of the lesson to not let fear control my life? Mm. I've mentioned I love to go hiking and explore and I'm always out near water. I love being by any type of water. And there's always snake. I always that always see them. I'll be in a place where someone's, oh, we've never seen a snake there in my life. And two minutes later, I'm stepping on one barefoot in the mud. That's really happened to me before. But like the hawk, I am a loner who observes everything from a distance before making a calculated plan. Like, I mentioned when you asked me those questions, I like to plan out everything. (laughs) And like the water snake, I'm able to thrive in multiple environments. I, like everyone else, shed the old parts of me that no longer serve me, and I swallow my prey whole. Just making sure everyone's listening. (laughs) (laughs) Our spirit animals will often match us in many characteristics, and it's fun to see what yours is. It actually reminds me of the Patronuses from Harry Potter, which, by the way, mine is a lynx. I don't, do you know what yours oh, yeah. is? No, I don't. There are even meditations that you can do independently to see and communicate with your spirit animal. Uh, YouTube has multiple, multiple ones, and I found success with several of them. But like anything, you have to do it with intent and respect. They're not going to waste their energy trying to give you a message if you're not genuinely open to receiving it. Same with the Ouija board. Spirit knows if you're just trying to goof and mess with them, but if you're taking it seriously, you're more likely to get a message. Spirit animals are wild but will come when called and truly want to meet and help us all. Many cultures recognize the relationships we have with animals on a deep and spiritual level, And each person has a special spiritual relationship with one or more animals. There are even animals that have their own spirit animals. And some of them are humans because we're animals too. Mm. They also recognize that developing a special relationship with those animals would result in self-development and positive life enhancement. Your spirit animal will be whatever animal matches your own personal vibration which means that it can change throughout your lifetime because our vibrations are constantly going up and down. Even our own physical appearance will often reflect our spear animals. I only wish I didn't have one that had a a big old hooked (laughs) beak because I got this nose. 
As for my snake traits, well, that's none of your business. <laughs> now there is another animal that helps us, and it's called a totem animal. It is not the same as a spirit animal and is usually a flesh and blood creature. They can stay with us and keep us safe for life or until we change from their specific vibration. The spirit animal vibrates closest to what our conscious mind does, the part of us that we cling to as our personalities, and they are often born from the traumas we endure throughout our lives. Each trauma is said to create a new us, where we highlight the aspects of us that kept us safe and repress what we might view as weakness or an undesirable trait. Therefore, we have a shadow spirit animal that vibrates closest to our unconscious mind. That's whenever I say my shadow side. That's the unconscious part of me. Things about us that we might not see as useful to us, so we repress them. But in repressing them, it's still a part of who we are. So essentially, you're repressing part of who you are. Mm. And that's what I've been working on the past several years is bringing both of those to balance. We not only have a specific spirit animal for each individual, but our family lines have a unique spirit animal as well, seeing as each family line has its own unique vibrations. And I was able to get an image of what our family spirit animals were when Hmm. I was meditating with my guides on this. And it really didn't surprise me by any means what ours are. Our father side spirit animal is the otter Mm. if you think about otters and the water side of the family otters are very close-knit family together very Mm -hmm. happy creatures but fierce and will protect their own Mm -hmm. they even hold hands so they don't drift apart that That is and our mother's side definitely not surprise raccoons (laughs) (laughs) and i mean we even were surrounded by raccoons often growing up yeah Every race, religion, and groups attract its own spirit animals and even humanity itself. Humanities is the wolf, and our totem animal is the eagle, and our shadow is the snake. And that goes with every human. As humans are, in fact, animals, and but because of ego, we don't like to view ourselves as part of the animal kingdom. Mm-hmm. You know, think we're separate and superior to it. But we are all one and the same. Many of us will have a spirit animal that our conscious mind wouldn't really want as our guide because we may see it as negative. But each form they take is a direct result of our own vibration, and every one of them contains a powerful lesson. As snake would be the very last creature that I would ever choose, but I am happy it is now that I've recognized and began learning from it. When I realized that a snake was my shadow spirit animal. My fear of them has lessened. That's one positive, but it's also taught me to not cling so much to who I think I am and to shed old parts of me that no longer resonate with who I want to be. Mm. And it's taught me a lot about not letting fear drive my decisions and to stop me from doing things. Because There's been many a hiking trail I've wanted to go on where I did not because I was alone and I'm like, there's a, I can just feel there's a snake (laughs) waiting for me down there, but I will go on them now because I'm like, no, I'm not going to let fear stop me from doing something I want to. 
If you reject your spirit animal, it's no different than rejecting a part of yourself. The more someone self-rejects, the more difficult it is to accept their spirit animal form, which I get. It has been one of the hardest things I've done when I started my spiritual path to look inward at myself, recognize that shadow side, and try to integrate it with my conscious side. I'm still working on it, but it is freeing me to no longer hate aspects of who I am and accept that they are part of me and that there is nothing wrong with them. My femininity and sexuality are just two that have blossomed since I stopped rejecting them. For many years, you know, I tried not to be effeminate or was ashamed of who I found attractive. And when I started working on my spiritual path and with my spiritual animals and my guides, it's really helped me to come to terms with those and to realize there's nothing wrong with it. Mm -hmm. My spirit animals have been detrimental in my journey, and I am grateful I was open enough to accept them. And you cannot choose your spirit animal. No matter how hard you may try, our spirit animal chooses us, just like our spirit guides. But that's a whole nother mystery. Our spirit animals will keep visiting for our entire lives, even though we may not recognize it due to being unopened to them. Some people can identify someone else's spirit animal, but they often won't. It is important and more beneficial for each person to discover theirs on their own. Mm. Once you learn your spirit animal, learning everything you can about it and understand it completely, learn its weaknesses and its strengths and express them in yourself, especially your shadow one. Really mm. teaches you a lot about who you are and who you can be. That was really good. Since we're doing the whole Ouija board thing, I was trying to find more mm. spiritual themed and that's to lead just, us up to it. Yeah. Uh, spirit animals there. That's something that I've been intrigued by since, I mean, I was a teenager and am grateful that I was open enough to believe in them. Sure. And I mean, I, I love my, my main one, my red tail <laughs> hawk. I love that. Hey, girl, I love you. <laughs> Snakes, well, you just right. stay outside. That one took a minute. I mean, I was. it got to the point where I was dreaming about snakes quite often. Mm. And I'm like, why am I dreaming? Like, I would wake up sweating because <laughs> I do uh, just freak me out. And they'd be crawling on me. And eventually it clicked. I'm like, oh, I'm, there's something I'm avoiding. What am I avoiding? And I realized it was fear. <laughs> I'm like, what better way to teach me a lesson about fear than come at me with the thing I'm afraid of That's most? True. Fear and dairy. <laughs> and dairy. I love it, but I don't like it. <laughs> All right. So before you get started on your Bless Your Heart, I will just say for the amassed episode, of course, we are going to have our extra bits from our mystery, but also... We have questions that our patrons yes. wrote into us to answer. We're going to answer all of those questions on the Unmasked episode today. So why don't you go ahead and do your Bless Your Heart. Well, my Bless Your Heart comes from a woman who was named Casey McIntyre, who was a 38-year-old resident of Brooklyn. She sadly passed away from ovarian cancer on November 12th of last year. And despite the challenges she faced, she remained determined to leave a positive impact on the world. In her final days, Casey devised a plan to alleviate the financial strain faced by others. 
In a poignant farewell message, Casey expressed her wish to use the funds she had saved for her medical expenses to purchase the outstanding medical debt of others. She wrote, To celebrate my life, I've arranged to buy up others' medical debt and to destroy the debt. I am so lucky to have had access to the best medical care and am keenly aware that so many in our country don't have access to good care. Hmm. As of today, the fund has raised an impressive 136000 of her $150,000 goal, and Casey partnered with RIP Medical Debt, a New York-based nonprofit organization that buys medical debt at a fraction of the cost. Every $100 donated relieves up to $10,000 in medical debt. To date, RIP Medical Debt has relieved a total of $10 billion of medical debt for over 7 million families. And to RIP Medical Debt and to Casey, I give them all a bless your heart. And that's just a beautiful thing Yeah, to know that you're going to leave this world and to do everything you can to make it a better, happier place for right. all those people is just a beautiful thing. Yeah, that's awesome. God, I'm being sick makes me so much tearing <laughs> up on this. My God. I mean, it is beautiful. I'm not usually this emotional. Oh Josh, my God. No reason to cry, Josh. I know. Oh. <laughs> All uh, right. Are you ready to, to start on mass, Josh? Yeah, let me give a little, let me do our Patreon. All right. Yeah, you go ahead. Spiel. You go ahead and do your thing. We want to give a special thank you, Jesus. To our loyal and brilliant patrons and your exceptional taste in podcast. We do appreciate all of you and hope that you enjoy Unmasked. Follow Mystery Inc. on Instagram or join us on Patreon to hear our bonus episodes of Unmasked that we do right after we go potty. Find us on both platforms under at It's Mystery Inc. And you can also join us on Facebook at Shane and Josh's Rabbit Hole and we'll interact more with you there. We also have a new website, itsmysteryinc.com. There you can listen to any of our episodes, enjoy photos of us, and submit ideas for mysteries or positive news that you would like to share for Bless Your Heart. And if you enjoy listening to Mystery Inc., don't forget we are now on YouTube so that you can see our pretty faces. Please join us there at Mystery Inc. Podcast, and don't forget to like and subscribe. If you got a negative comment, just keep it to yourself. We don't even know. <laughs> Right. All right, guys. We'll we'll see you later. We'll talk at you after a while. Yeah. Bye. Bye.